Hello friends, my name is Steve and we're here today to discuss the last three chapters of the White Luck Warrior, chapters 13, 14, and 15. So we'll be wrapping up the White Luck Warrior and Katarina will be in uncharted territory after this one. Just like me, I won't be alone. Uh, so. Yeah, you caught up, congratulations. Yeah, it only took me like six months, but I'm here I am. So it's my first time reading the series and as always, I'm here with Daniel and Katarina. Uh, Daniel, will you start with introductions, please? I'm Daniel, and I've read this series a couple times now, so I will be ahead of these guys drastically for these last two books. Yes, and I'm Katarina, and this is the last book that I read before this um, read-along. So from the next book, as Steve's already said, um, I'll be I will be reading as a complete uh, newbie. I won't, yeah, it's exciting. I won't be the only newbie here. It's kind of nice. I was getting lonely. <laughs> so lots to talk about. Lots of things to happen. I did. I did one. I did think I'd hear the Kirby enthusiasm theme song. One of these. Uh, one of these chapters with Mathanet and Espinet. But uh, yeah. So what were your uh, what were your thoughts on on these three chapters of chapter thirteen? Well, I would say I probably enjoyed the ending of this book more the second time I read it. Um, and probably has to do with the fact I was able to connect with Esmanet on a much deeper level than I, I, I kind of, I found her a little bit annoying the first time I read the, the Judging Eye and, and uh, the White Light Warrior. So I was I was able to empathize with her and her situation a lot more this time, and also Soriel's pretty much cemented himself as my favorite character in this series. Um, I did I, I will admit I did struggle a little bit with the Akamian chapters. Like, it, it's not that they're not interesting, but they do tend to drag for me a lot, especially on the second read because at least like at least on my first read I, there was like the mystery of cleric and who he was and what he was doing with the with the skin eaters and since i already knew that going into it the second time there wasn't as much for me to dig into hmm. what about you daniel on your fifth or sixth read i thought it was good i really liked the ending I like the, the library scene a lot, I guess. And I feel real bad for Sorrel, so hmm. I kind of liked those chapters. You feel bad for Sorrel, really? Yeah, he just has a bunch of d dead heads now he's talking to. He's, he's dead for sure by now that they just left him a little bit of cleric in the end and in a leaf and walked off and hmm. not, he won't survive unless he will so katarina i'm a little bit surprised that sorwheel is one of your what, what is it about sorwheel that makes him one of your favorites um i guess it ha i mean i I think you can tell already, like from the Prince of Nothing, I liked damaged and flawed characters. 
if 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 you think of the the my favorites from the first trilogy um i think it's just that he like for, i guess he's like it's a nice like it's a refreshing change from the characters in the first trilogy in the sense that he's he's much younger he's much more inexperienced he's kind of figuring his way out um and it also goes against this like it's it's like the anti coming of age story kind of it's like he he's trying to become this like heroic person but he's like failing at every step like he always has these ideas about like how courageous he should be but every like every step of the way he he seems to make like the most like coward coward like decision and i mean there's something refreshing and relatable relatable about that i guess um I did feel for him when he when he saw the the siblings coupling. <laughs> yeah, it's um I think I, I think I uh I think I might have shouted at at the book when when he uh when he started watching them and enjoying <laughs> <laughs> enjoying enjoying watching them. I mean, like, as I said, like, I mean, he, him always like kind of making the, the wrong and not, not courageous decision is kind of what it's kind of his, his, his deal. Like, I guess that's kind of what his character arc is about. Um, but even, even, even for me, it was, um, it was a little bit disappointing, um, that that's how he decided to, um, deal with the situation. <laughs> Um, I'm, a, you know, from all the things that you you describe about Sorwheel, about him being kind of a, he can't really seem to get it right. I'm that's why I'm surprised that he, um, on page four fifty five, he and he alone was was capable of murdering the murdering the Aspect Emperor. He only needs some of the courage to die. So I'm a little bit surprised that he's that person. Yeah, well, he he's that person against his hit will, right? Like. Yadwer didn't ask him if he wanted to be her um her chosen warrior or whatever it is that he is. It just sort of happened to him. Like he had no agency in that. But why him though? Is what I'm like seems like an odd choice. Maybe that's the reason. Like maybe you wouldn't see it coming from him, right? Hmm. But okay. uh I'm I mean, I'm I'm wonder like I'm as Ignore like I'm as ignorant as you are. <laughs> that's that's the that's the uh, uh, that's the nice thing about being caught up that uh, I can make all these wild speculation. I don't have to pretend like I don't know, because I truly don't know. Yeah. And Daniel just is uh, being very quiet. the uh the sorwheel stuff I, I get a little i don't know he's he's he seems like such a, a fish out of water in this story doesn't he because he he can't really seem to get it right and I, I don't know he just his his character is just so much different than everyone else he's because he's not i don't what is, is he not capable is that a, a fair assessment i don't know i mean it kind of depends like do you expect him to behave like a kid who's never been in a battle or do you expect him to behave like someone who was born to 
be a hero and a king. Well, I just think because we're so used to seeing these these characters that are strong in some way or that are capable in some some way. He's is he the only one that hasn't been formidable in some way? I mean, I think all of all the other previous characters have been dangerous in some way, whether it's political or with you know physically or they have some kind of power. But he doesn't really have a whole lot to be afraid of. If you don't, I mean, unless unless you know what he's been chosen to do. Otherwise, he's so he's just a he's a different character that we we spend a lot of time with. That he's so in, the, so in that way he's he kind of uh, stands out. Yeah, well, I think when like when when you when you when I think back um, on the characters that we've encountered along the way, uh, at least Sirway is 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 one. And maybe you can draw some parallels to we Like she also is very young, like thrust into middle of this crazy political and um, situation, and and is trying to find her. Like basically just a way to stay alive. Which in some ways, like I mean, like I think Sorwil is terrified. Like he just lost his father, he just lost his city, he's just been named a king, he has no idea how to rule. He's been dragged off with his foreign army, he doesn't know how to speak the language of the of the people around him. He's like, he has, he has no one, he basically has no one, he has no one to talk to, and, and then all these like weird things are happening to him, and, and a god is wants him to murder the, the most powerful man, man in Urwa. Um, I'd be freaking out. He is kind of an exception, whereas he's sort of powerless. Mm-hmm. Except Yatwar's giving him power to stumble forward. Because like you guys said, he's never walking somewhere the right way. He's always stumbling, but somehow the right direction. I think Maybe it's... not anymore. Do you guys think Kellis can see the white luck? Is that why he sent Sorwill away? I don't know, but I've been wondering about that. Um, also, and and yeah, I've been wondering about whether whether it's whether maybe like Serba or at least Kalis know that he's been chosen by Yatwer, um, and that, or, or if, if they're just pretending that they can see through his face. And there's also the the Corey that that Prosperian uh, gives to him before he kills himself. Um, that then Sorwil gives to Zoranga. Um, and I was wondering if like that, if that was also part of Yadwar's plan, and if she meant for him to give up the Corey, or if that was. Uh, Sorwheel's decision and probably Sorwheel's well I mean I guess he hasn't he didn't really have a choice like he had to he, he couldn't bring a quarry with him uh, when he had a witch transporting him across the country um, but I, I was wondering if that was something that Yadwer foresaw or even planned hmm. I'm with you I have no idea <laughs> I have no idea this 
I, I, I don't want to get off of the sore wheel stuff, but I, I did have a question about, I'll, I'll bring up about Kellis, about what he knows and what he doesn't know. But, um, yeah, the, um, with Kellis, I do, I think we talked about it before, but the, the power creep for Kellis seems really high because he winks out of existence now. He just like pops in and pops out. So, I mean, Sorreal has his work cut out for him. <laughs> yeah, I was reflecting on how the, at the beginning of the entire series, the schoolmen seem like too powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Then they introduced Corey, which kind of like evened the score. And then in these chapters, like the the shrink even the score just by sheer volume right so how powerful are the schoolmen now when they could just burn everyone all day and not burn everyone yeah well i mean kellis had 20 years and his uh dunian superior intellect to become a superior sorcerer um so i'm not too like the 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 power creep it doesn't really bother me like it it does make sense to me considering that we've not seen the man for 20 years we don't know what he's been studying where he well we maybe have an idea of where he's been and what he's done but still we haven't been we we weren't there we didn't see it but it doesn't mean it didn't happen Because he's like he's like well like you said it's the schoolman there's there's Corey there's there's some kind of uh, counter to everyone except for him he's like Superman with no kryptonite I mean what's his weakness well he, he gods hating on him he doesn't well he doesn't come right away to save the the southern army so I I would like to think that. Maybe even his powers have limits. Like maybe he wouldn't be able to uh, annihilate hundreds of thousands of strength at once. But then, like we've always talked about, everything is for a reason, right? Since the first book, we've always, we've discussed that. So, whenever he doesn't act, then I think, well, that must be something that has to happen for him to achieve his goal. So he lets things happen, just because so they have to happen a certain way. So you think he uh, he sacrificed the the army of the south? I kind of think so, and I think he's did he sacrifice um, Mathenet too? He could have stopped that. I don't want to get too far off track, but there's lots of things that, and he, he talks about what happened with Mathenet. Like he's he says something like, I, "I don't know." That's that's the little that I know. But do you though? Like, is that really all you know? I, I mean, I found it hard to believe after all that he's capable of yeah he, he does seem to be in the picture like he, he has he seems to have an idea what what's going on or what's been going on in, in moment for sure um well i'm a i'm as clueless as you are yeah well it's kind of nice not being alone anyway <laughs> Yeah, I'm afraid the next two books it'll just be the two of us saying, "Oh well, I don't know. This could be intentional. This maybe not." 
And Daniel just will just have that that uh, smile on his face the whole time. I just can't say. <clears throat> we'll just find out. We'll all find out how powerful Kellis is and how far he sees. Like you guys were saying. Hmm. I think it was interesting the way the exciting like parts of these chapters were paired with like the sl like a slower part like Mimara which, which and, and you... oh, okay Mimara and Sorwill because aside from them it would be like oh and then the armies are all killing each other and oh there's Bash bash rags and then it's like and then they zapped forward a hundred miles and fell asleep well i mean mowing has uh, jumped in a river and then on the other side it's a camion and cleric like fighting with a dragon and then mimara just sitting at a camp trying to figure out what to do while everyone else mutinies just like a slower sections and the way he cut it apart was weird um and this i might be uh this might be a con controversial opinion but i found the slow parts a lot more exciting than the the action scenes um especially i mean not that they were like poorly written or they were boring but especially with the seven army I never, I never heard of that king until like <laughs> a chapter ago, and now I'm following this entire army of people that I, I didn't even know existed, and they're all making these like stupid decisions, <laughs> and I'm supposed to care, um, and I, I did feel, I did feel bad for them, but at the same time, it's like. You know, if if it was Sabon leading the army, I would have been a lot more excited. Really? <laughs> about reading reading about him getting uh, exterminated by the by the string. <laughs> Poor Sabon. I see what you're saying. They, it was like the Vulcan Vulcanati or whatever school, and then the mandate there too. Who knows how many of them are left, but I assume very little. Yeah, especially after they started killing each other. I I mean, like, going back to what you said, Steve, about, like, Kel is always, like, doing everything for a reason. Like, I wonder if that also was some like, was this... Like the this this like the entire like the end of the uh the southern army was like that was a disaster, right? Uh, so but I wonder like did he anticipate that? Did Kellis anticipate this? Because like he had to know how the uh the leaders like the the Mandati, the Mandati uh sorcerer and the other sorcerer like like he 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 had to know that they uh they would antagonize each other, um. So was like, did he, or did he just not? Inc like, was that a mistake Callus made, or was it intentional, or did he not care? Like, did he, did he, was it like, were they always going to lose the Southern Army, so it didn't matter? After the 
after the conversation that Mathanet has with Espy or Espinette, um, I kind of wonder it's either they don't matter in the big picture, like what happens to them doesn't doesn't play a part in what Callus wants his end goal, so he doesn't really care, or they have to fail for it to happen. It seems it has to be deliberate. I, I'm I don't know. I I have to think that he either is indifferent or it has to happen this way, so he's okay with it. Rest in peace, Mathanet. Oh, that oh, that was so sad. Right when they were finally getting along. Tell, tell my brother and or what was it? Oh, and also, uh, Kilomus isn't who you think he is, or what you think he is. It's always and I, I really had the Kirby enthusiasm theme song playing when that when the assassin showed up and killed Mathanet, <laughs> just when we're about to find something out. <laughs> Oh, uh, that, that hurt. I like Mathanet. That's too bad. He got a Yeah, I, I feel bad for Esmanet. Uh, uh, a lot of this is her mess, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, she shouldn't. She shouldn't have forgotten that she uh, ordered an assassin to um, kill Mathanet. <laughs> well, it, probably if it would have happened a few minutes earlier, then it would have been okay. But. Mathanet, you know, brings her out and talks to her, and he, he I, I kind of wondered whether he knew that those guards would rough Math or Esmanet up, or if they were, if that was really something that he punished them for. Because he talks about them being flayed alive, so I wondered if that was just him trying to prove to her that he cared, or is he was that an act? It was like the same thing that she did for Mamara, right? Like, it's already happened, but well, let's just burn everybody anyways. Yeah, I guess... I mean, I don't know if the two are mutually exclusive. Like, it is. it was probably calculated on his part, but to show that he wanted, like, he was on her side, I think. That's what I assume, anyway. But we'll never know, because he's dead. <laughs> oh, that, that sucked. That was, that was rough. That was rough. And it, it was yeah. really sad to see Esmanet fall the way she was falling, when they caught her, when they found her. and That was really sad to see. Or to, you know... After all that she's been through, she's back to, for a brief period, but she's back to being a prisoner. <laughs> Not all at once. <laughs> yeah, there was, uh, I don't know, it's hard, like, it's hard to hard to remember what I like how I felt when I read uh, when I read that scene for the first time um but I do remember being very shocked when Mathanet was assassinated because I completely forgotten about the uh, the white luck warrior since it's, it's been like a, at least a few weeks there's at least a few weeks between when she leaves the palace and when they capture her. 
And I think there's, in one of the previous chapters, there is something about the White Leg Warrior where he says that 53 days from that moment, he, like, Kells would be dead or something. So I, I'm wondering how much time has actually passed and if we'll see Kellis and the White Leg Warrior clashing anytime soon. Speaking of the White Leg Warrior, it's a strange title for this book because I thought we would get more of the, <laughs> the White Leg Warrior. But yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool title. Don't get me wrong, but you know. Well, do you think like is it is the White Leg Warrior just the one we saw in Momem, or is would like Sorwheel also be considered a White Leg Warrior or some form of the White Leg Warrior? Yeah, that's true. Um... I think the last book was called the, the Judging Eye, and we didn't get a whole lot of the Judging Eye. Just a couple little bits of it. That's true. <laughs> well, we've we've gotten a lot of the great ordeal so far. <laughs> yeah. He did assassinate an Ennis Rimber. Yes, one one office list, and I I think Esmanet is probably next. So, so Katarina, so you haven't read, you haven't, we, neither of us have read beyond this one. Do you, let's get some predictions in. If you had to call <laughs> it now, what S, what Esmanet, is Esmanet going to survive the series? Hmm. I, I doubt it. I would say, well, no, I I think it's okay. My my wild guess is it's either like Esmanet will die and Kalmomas will have something to do with it, or Esmanet survives, but something happens to Kalmomas and she will be completely broken, and you would maybe rather that she died because. She'd probably be happier. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, this what? is just my speculating. What do you think, Steve? I don't think anyone's going to make it. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to survive. It's just an atomic bomb at the end. I think the entire new. planet explodes. Something catastrophic is going to happen, and everyone is go no one's going to make it. Not even well. Maybe Kellis. Maybe. Not a Camian, not Mamara, nope, not Finale, not Surreal. But... Sab Saban might make it because he's you know he's Saban. But <laughs> what about yeah. Pro Proyes? He's just the most pious person around. Nah, he won't make it either. I think, I think Surreal might make it. I think. There's a chance that at the end he will he'll be one of the very few people alive, and 
will spend his the rest of his life regretting everything he did in the name of Kellis, all the atrocities, and he'll be a rack like everyone else who makes it. That makes me reflect back to the time he cut out the Srank's eyeball just to make everyone want to torture it better. Oh, wait, are we talking about Sorwil or Proas? Sorwil. Oh, sorry. I, I thought... was. Oh, my, I, my, I was thinking about Proas. Uh, Sorwil, I'm not sure. I don't know. Sorwil, I, 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 I don't really see where he's going. He, I don't know. Maybe he'll get somehow involved with the non-man. Maybe the consult. But I, I'm so pretty. Yes. Go ahead. Will that consult or the shrink or the synthes survive? Will any of them survive? Or I mean the non-men, not the synthes, because he's part of the consult. I guess the non-men are now too, right? That's, yeah, that's what we learned from Nilgikas. That uh, Ish Isterabinth has allied itself with the consult. And now <clears throat> they got two Ennis Rimbers and a real enemy going there. Someone who wasn't an enemy right up until the end of this book, and now he just hates anything Ennis Rimber. He wants to kill all of them. Yeah, it's a bit, it, it's a bit sad that that's what it took. Although I, he still might, he he keeps wavering, so he he might change his mind again. Because um, I think, well, it's it's he kind like he believes the cause. I think, like he believes the great ordeal has a purpose, but he hates Serva now. <laughs> they needed an enemy, and he wasn't a very good enemy. He's hanging out with them, thinking they were cool. Can't have that. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. There was something I was confused about that I, I may have just missed. But speaking of, of Noglikas, um, let me find the page really quick. It talks about him being uh, this Noglikas, do you know much of him? I was his friend once, early first end of the world. When he was Seswatha. Right, okay. That's what I was confused about. Okay. That's okay. why he like remember. he's like, I remember you old friend talking, think he's like seeing the soul of Seswatha through a Kamian. But and Sirwa it... also Sirwa also uh, remembers Nilgikas because she also dreams the the dreams and there was a point where these guys were just like right next to each other right the Camian and the skin eaters and uh Surway and Moingus and Sorwil if you look on the map when they're at the old city exploring where Soglash is is like real close and there's a point where Sorwell like swears you could see like sorcery or something in the distance. Mm. 
I kind of missed that. Yeah, I was I was wondering if there were going to cross cross ways at some point because they seem to be going in the same direction. But yeah, I didn't realize they were so close to each other. And Ishterbinth and Ishul are pretty close on the map too. Another dead city. Yeah, I was not. I did not expect that when I when I first first read the book. <laughs> um, to find Ishwal destroyed. So let's like let's speculate. Like, who do you who do you think destroyed the city? Um, <laughs> you can just you can you just cover your face, Daniel. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Yeah, I'm good. Who do I think? Who do I think destroyed the city? Yes. I think so, the, the Dunyane destroyed it. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I was I was considering the more maybe obvious culprits, um, the consult, obviously, but also Kellis. He probably mm. won, might want to destroy, either because he I don't know. He, well, I guess he killed Moengus because he assume that Moengus would want to stop him. So I think it's safe to assume that the if the other Dunyain learn about what, what Kel has been doing for the past 20 years, they probably also want to um want to stop him as well. So I I think there's a there's a there's an argument to make about for Kellis destroying Ishwal. Hmm. But yeah, maybe maybe they left. Maybe they destroyed the city themselves because they knew that they were coming, or they had to cover their tracks somehow, or or maybe they're preparing for this big event that we're going to have at the end of the series. Could it have been Shrink? Could it have been non-men? Mm, maybe. Could it have been a dragon? He said he's been looking for what did he call up humans vermin? Vermin. Well, I don't know. I mean, they have the underground tunnel, so you could just hide underground, maybe if the if a drop if a dragon comes. The thousand thousand halls. Right. Uh, and I mean, the Strang have been around for thousands of years and they never discovered Ishwal, at least while Kellis was there. So why now? <laughs> Daniel's just trying to keep a straight face to the whole thing. I'm trying to remember how it describes Ishwal when he sees it. I feel like he said the foundation was choppled and charred. Um it says, it's once grand bastions overturned, its curtain walls struck to their foundations, another dead place. Yeah, that doesn't really say anything. Like, could have been, yeah, I guess dragons also a possibility, but. Definitely not just shrink. Shrink can't tear down a giant foundation of a wall. <sighs> If there was enough of them, maybe they could just ball, ball together like ants and just tumble forward over it. 
<laughs> yeah, something like that. But that's what I imagined them doing in the river when they all started to sink, just kind of grabbing each other till they made a bridge of shrink crawling across. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think the other alternatives seem more exciting. It, it does seem like, like things are coming to a head and it, it's a little bit surprising there's two more books to go because it does seem like things are kind of so I'm, I'm curious to where this is all going to go because it seems like oh. things are it seems like it'd be one more book left wasn't it supposed to be one book originally like didn't it get split at some point into two hmm. yeah, yeah this yeah. was supposed to be a trilogy as well yeah I think I read that somewhere um but I don't know. I feel like we're finally getting to the exciting parts. Like we're going, to, we're going to Ashtarabeth, um, which is something I'm very excited about because uh, I want to learn more about the non-man. Um, it seems like we might reach Golgotharoth soon. That's also pretty. Uh, yeah, should be. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't want to say fun because like these books are never really fun, <laughs> or if it's if if then it, it's very twisted kind of fun. Yeah, but the, really the great ordeal went from having like no food around to having all the food they can find though. Well, shrink. Yeah, I also did not see that coming. Um. But I guess if you have all these creatures running around, sooner or later you'll realize that they're edible. Yummy. Do they taste like chicken is the question. Well, I once I once tried crocodile and it tasted kind of like chicken, so hmm. maybe. We may find out. We may find out what they taste like. I think we will find out. But I guess that means there's just no more other food to have. So it's just only only strength from here to Golgotharoth. That's a lot of protein. <laughs> it's a lot of food. It's a lot of strength. I, I assume it's still better than cannibalism. Because that was the alternative. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, it's close, but it's probably better. Yeah. They need the army. They don't, there's leftover shrink after they march. There's not leftover people to murder and eat <laughs> yet. I wonder why they didn't start eating them before. What was, why did it take this long? Because they go through a lot of trouble of, of, uh, you know, carrying resources and planning resources, and wouldn't it be easier just to have done this from the beginning? Unless there's a reason why they didn't eat shrink. I I would imagine they probably like they weren't pushed far enough. Like I, I don't think if if Callus suggested it earlier, I do. I think they would have probably rebelled. Like it was only after they witnessed the destruction of the of the sudden army that he could probably make the argument that 
this is the only way for them to survive. Like at least that's my guess. Um, but if you if you were like being very rational about it, then yeah, they should have started eating the string right away. Well, plus they they de they de I don't want to say they, they dehumanized the shrank because they're not humans, but they made them seem less than you know they tortured them, and so I guess you wouldn't think to eat something like that either. It's the first GMOs they're trying to <laughs> pasture raised, yeah, organic, genetically modified organics. It's pretty much what the shrank are. Well, would it be considered cannibalism if the non-men ate the string? Because they're supposed to have like almost the same DNA, I think. On the on the other side of the river, there's Mamara and Akamian eating the dust of the non-men. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Cherishing cleric, that they love cleric. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a sad death, for sure. Um, I shed a few tears. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's it's end of an era. <laughs> a long era. That's a really long era. He's he's older than the tusk. Remember? He was crazy. I mean, he. Isn't it? It's kind of thought it was kind of a mercy because he was. I mean, he didn't seem like he really wanted to. Con I mean, it, I almost got the impression that he didn't want to keep going. He was ready, or he just didn't know he was insane. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. Um, it was still sad. Um, I also just, I guess, like see, like knowing how great and powerful he used to be, and then seeing the husk that he he was like he became um like i guess in some way it was a mercy from a commune but i still it still made me sad like he he's one of the more fascinating characters in this book to me or was <laughs> he he lived like a terabyte life and he had to keep shoving it into a gigabyte of memory so he was just he was just ruined erratic yeah i think he's he's at the end of his road he's ready. we're we're about to see some new non-men from the sounds of it there should be some in Istrabinth. yeah I'm, I'm very excited about that um for like just to see like what a saner version of a non-man looks like, but also like to find out more about if they're actually working with Cole Gotherath and with the consult and what their plan is with uh Surreal and Serba and Moangus. Um so I, I really hope we get to spend some time in the in the mansion. I think we may. And go ahead. So it's, it's crazy you wanna spend time in basically a dead non men hole in a rock, but we we probably will. 
we've been hearing about them since the prologue. I mean, it's I think the one of the things that, there's a lot in the prologue, but one of the things is the non man in the prologue. So I think now we uh, this curiosity that we want to see everything we can see because we've been on this journey. So something like yeah. the black halls, but living. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, there's there's still a pretty much a mystery. Like, I don't think that cleric was a good representation of like an average non-man. Um, but I mean, what do I know? I haven't met any yet. <laughs> Maybe two, we two or three. They walked, came on a flying chariot, and left. Yeah. But I mean that was that was very brief and very uh very formal occasion. I wanna really get to know. The flying chariots kinda of stand out to me that it don't really seem like they fit, or is it just me? It seems a little too fantastical for this world, is or is that just me being picky? I also thought it was a bit eerie. Um yeah, like I don't understand. Like we talked about it last week, I think, but I, I was like, well, I was confused about why they need a chariot in the first place. Yes, but uh, Daniel had a pretty good uh, explanation. Yeah, reading about it again, it's like it just seemed kind of weird, kind of really fit. But after Mathanet and Espinette, Mathanet explains to Espinette about. What, what the empire really means. I was convinced what it, what it means, what it'll mean after the great ordeal and why, why Kallus has basically abandoned them. I was convinced that Kallus just doesn't really care. He's letting these things happen. Um, and of course, another one of his kids died too, which... Which one? In Rilithas die on this one? Or did I lose track? Oh, well, you mean in the book or in this chapter? Oh, in the book. Oh, yeah, in the book. Yeah, he does die. Yeah, sorry. I got confused. So it seems weird that he doesn't do anything to, to save his kids. If he's not going to rescue Esmanet, or but then again, does he just know what's going to happen? <laughs> he just lets things happen. So it's difficult to, to know what his plan is, or if he really doesn't, he really didn't know a whole lot about what happened. Yeah, I'm probably with you. I think he knows. I think he has a pretty good idea what's going on in the Empire and has correctly deduced that if you create this huge power vacuum, people will try to usurp the um, the throne and will probably, like, there's... It's just impossible for Esmanet to, or Mathanet to withstand the pressure from the, from Zayum or from Fenil or all the other enemies that they've created over the past two two decades. I think so Pro, Proeus asked Kellis if he loves Esmanet, right? <laughs> And he says love is for lesser souls. <laughs> that's such, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's, that's very cold, but like, it's such a good, such a good one-liner. 
so he, maybe he does love SMNet, but he doesn't have time for it, right? That's for people with less to do than whatever Kellis is doing. Yeah, I think I think even if he loved her, I think he has other priorities, and she's just not one of them. And the Empire certainly isn't one of them. Um, which doesn't change the fact that we're we still don't really know what his goal is. But it does. I mean, it, it's it does seem to be something. That has to do with the consult and with Golgotharath. It's the thousandfold thought, of course, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what is the thousandfold thought? What has it evolved into over the course of 20 years? I don't know, but he, he's trying to walk the shortest path. I feel like they said somewhere that or they refreshed it in your brain that the Dunyane are like trained to grasp the absolute right and that in this world God is shattered into like a thousand fractions and the Dunyane could possibly grasp even the absolute of the gods so is like what are you saying that Kellis is trying to become the god the god of gods or like something he's trying to reach the absolute or is he trying to something he's he's trying to do something it appears like he's trying to kill all the shrink and reach Golgotharoth for sure right even if it costs him every capable man in the three seas Yeah, I think we can agree that he is trying to get to Golgadrath with at least a part of an army left. Because, I mean, if he just wanted to go, he could probably teleport. Like, it shouldn't be too difficult. He winks in and out of existence. I mean, he comes and goes as he pleases. That's why it seems really strange. And he did yep. for, I forgot how many years before, pay people to kill Shrink, right? Just trying to clear the way for him to send an army up there, which from the way it describes how many strength there are, who knows? Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't very successful. I think at one part it talked about the strength just like trying to throw themselves into swords so they could fall and die and leave the leave the army with less swords. If they could just cause them to lose a couple weapons. So I did have a question, and I, I don't know if I misunderstood this, but the way that I understood it was, well, I think we had talked about it before, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the dragon that they find, I forget the name, and I couldn't pronounce it if I did. But, <laughs> yeah, But they call him the Horde, I think they reference it being the Horde leader. Was he controlling the shrink? Was, he, was it him pulling the strings and controlling their movements and things, or is, is that just... Um, is he just the is it not related I think he says what not even the black heavens control me didn't he say that at one point point? and 
earlier we learned that the no god was the one that like controlled this rank he can mm. mass control everything somehow So the dragon is no god proof. Like he he doesn't he cannot be controlled even by the non god no god. Is the implication? Is, that's what I'm reading. In between or the, the one, the no god's just been gone for that amount of time. Now he doesn't have any eyeballs. His bronze skin is slagging off his body. He's an undead dragon, right? Pretty much. He's for sure dead. Well, he's, he seems pretty... Uh, he seems pretty agile for someone who's who's allegedly dead. I don't know. <laughs> um, I just... I found the whole scene with the dragon kind of just strange, bizarre. Because... Like why why is he there? Like no one ever mentioned that there was a, there was supposed to be a dragon in the library. And then they like Ikamian and and uh and cleric is they they arrive at the library and they're like, "Oh, sulfur. There must be a dragon here." And then just continue down into the hole, like no battle plan, no strategy to root the dragon out or to trick him or get around him without him noticing. No, it's just, yeah, let's just just, just go and let's fight the dragon. <laughs> I guess it's yeah. the drugs, but it, it just felt like this, the whole, like, the in all the Akamian chapters are just, they're just so weird. And so, like, it, it's kind of like, there's, like, a distance where, like, they feel a little bit detached. I don't know if it's just, just me, like if that's if I'm the problem or if that they're supposed to, like if they're written the, the, the way, if they're supposed to be read that way. Were you using query when you were reading? Is it that might be why you thought it was kind of strange? <laughs> but I think some of it, like you mentioned, I think some of it is kind of explained away as the weird things they do is, oh, they're just on this drug and they do weird shit. So it seems kind of strange yeah it, I, those are like my least favorite chapters is the Mimira and Kamian chapters I'm kind so of ready do you for think if I, if I was on drugs while reading it do you, you think I connect to them better yes <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> well I'll try yeah. next time there isn't a lot of emotion in those chapters at all <laughs> no feelings not even the captain had feelings. Sarl's the only one I think that has feelings. I don't know what they are, but he sat on the captain's back and held his head in his hand and just talked to him for who knows how long. <laughs> I think if if there was a, a golem in in this series, it would probably be Sarl. Hmm. Just from the way he talks to himself and has all these phrases that he repeats. Trying to get to the precious coffers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that too. The coffers. 
um there's only a Camion and uh Mamara left now though, so maybe those chapters are gonna change. There's just a baby and a dad slash husband slash teacher slash father and Mamara. And then yeah. we found out that the only stone hag that managed to survive was oh, yeah. another skin spy. Was it was it a different one or was it the same one? I thought it was, it was the pro probably the same one, but who knows when he took over his body. Yeah, it's... I think it had to be pretty recent because I think like a ch chapter before or two chapters before my Mar still talked to him and he was still wearing her face. Yeah, and then the captain said she wasn't allowed to leave their site anymore. Um, there was a quote on 536 that I had highlighted um, and it struck a little, a little close to home, but uh, few, things, few things unsettle more than the violation of hidden assumptions or make us more weary. Disappointment hurts. It does. Yes. And I laugh um, when they, they talk about uh, feast on what? Peaches, my sweet peaches. That was pretty... That, that scene was pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. That was rough. Um, I was really hoping that someone was going to come and save my Mar. Um, I, I really, I was really happy we we didn't see that through. Mamara was, was even completely emotionless through it too, right? She like undressed herself, thinking that maybe the drug would help, but then realizing that it wasn't going to help. Yeah, and it's just talking about disappointment. Galen came across as pretty nice guy initially, but the way he turned out was just well. It's, it just made me feel pretty uncomfortable. And her forgiving him I was having her judging eye open. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty powerful. Um... And the captain. He died. Everyone died, pretty much. Most of the characters we got introduced to are now all just dead people. That's right. Yeah, I wonder what Maimara and Akamian are going to do next. Because I don't think they, uh, I don't think they have a plan. I don't think Akamian has a plan. Well, I mean, he didn't really have a plan even before they reached Ishwal. <laughs> um, which also, like, it does, like, it bothers me a little bit. Like, there seem to be way too many coincidences when it comes to the map and him dreaming about the map and setting off on a march across the entire continent without a clear destination, only then to, then to have a dream where he finds out that the place he lied about they were going to, he actually needs to go to, it being the library. Um, it's just too many coincidences. So I hope there's something, 
like I hope there's something more going on because if not then I'll I'll be uh, I'll be quite disappointed like I I hope it's uh someone I hope there's someone or some other reason why Akamian decided to go on this journey and why everything seems to um converge in Ishwal. <laughs> Daniel just being, I can, we can tell that we're getting to some to some good revelations because Daniel's very quiet. He's trying not to say anything. Yeah, he, I've asked you guys about free will and fate for a long time, ever since Kellis showed up on the grave of Nair's dad. How much how much free will is going on? And Kellis dominates everybody else's free will, but he's the one that showed up on that grave, right? So, hmm. And then the White Luck Warriors seems to know what everybody's doing all the time and he has absolutely no free will right because he just walks where he sees himself walking all the time just so he can be where he needs to be in the one spot Mathanette can't see him and then Esmanet saves him for some reason Well, I, I think feel... by saving him, she's kind of saving herself. Like, it, because like, it's because she assumes responsibility for Mathanet's assassination. That's how she's able to maintain her power. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. And Mamara prays to Yatwar too, seemingly only. That's the only person she's prayed to that we've seen. So maybe we'll figure out. Akamian is only looking for the truth from what he says, right? He just wants the truth. Yeah, that's and, what he says, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. The, truth about Anna's remember and he thinks he'll find it initiable a truth is infinite as we find out mm. so That's i guess you can fact. you can always keep searching and searching yeah that dragon really schooled the camion it's been sitting around for thousands of years waiting for someone to use that line on probably <laughs> he also talked about how he had been in the Ark and traveled from planet to planet, reducing the number to 144,000, and still they couldn't avoid their fate. But this planet was the chosen planet. This planet was going to be different, but it refuses to die. Well, may maybe that's what they say about it. That's what they said about every planet that they landed on. That this this was the one. This is where it was going to happen. Then they crashed into this one, so it was instantly different. Hmm. 
Right. So they didn't come out of their own will to this planet. Or did they? It seems like they've been fleeing for a long time now away from whatever they did that was bad, wherever they did something bad. It, from from what I read, it seems like they did a lot of bad stuff in a lot of places. <laughs> but it, 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 it sounds like something I'll probably need to read the appendices for when we get to the uh, end of the Unholy Consult. And we do get... Uh, I, I, did, I did laugh when the when we hear the phantom drums and Espinette starts laughing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's the laugh of desperation. Yeah. He has like, um, what else? You know, like, what else can happen? Yeah. It's, yeah. Aside from the planet blowing up or the no god rising, or, I don't think things can get much worse for her. I mean, at least she's not in chains anymore. Um, that's a nice change. <laughs> I guess there's always that. She did get dragged through the streets for a while and roughed up. No, it she just, has in, just... the invisible chains of the Empire again. Yeah. Um, I just wonder if Maithanette... Well, I mean, if he... If he took over the city, he had to know that the uh, the Kianin were coming. So hopefully he he started some defense preparations. Um, hopefully it wasn't too focused on on, uh, on the coup and ma maintaining power over moment. I did like how Esmanet took control of the situation after Maithanet died. I did like how she handled that whole situation. Because I think she's capable. I, she just made some. She had some missteps there. Yeah, there is a, the part where she walks from the from the cell where they keep where they're keeping her. She, she has to walk through the um, like one of like the Grand Avenues. She has to walk all the way to the temple, and there are like the the people are mobbing and they're shouting uh, blessings and curses at her it kind of reminded me of um a scene from darkness that comes before when Sirius is being brought to the temple to meet Maithanet and Esmond is also going there to meet Maithanet um and it kind of made me think like it just made me wonder like what well, do you do you think that Math that uh Esmanet is a better empress than Sirius was because on the surface they seem to have some things in common like at, le at least the paranoia that is like one of the defining characteristics of Sirius like that paranoia is also a part of what caused all these complications for Esmanet so is it is you know is is just like being an emperor like does do you just go insane as a default 
like do you need to be more than a human to able to rule an empire sure makes it a lot easier seems like Zerius's empire and Essenet's empire, I feel like, are far different. And what assails them are far different, too. I mean, I don't know. You have the Canine at the borders. You have the uh, Scovendi at uh, another border. Sounds yeah, pretty were, familiar. They were never, like, at the city gates, though. It was always, like, a proxy war on their land. So saying you're saying Zerids did, did a better job, at least to not have the gods war against him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just a crazy mom. Yeah, nah. his mom warred against him. That octopus-faced advisor. That's all he had to, to fight against. Hmm. There was another uh, another quote about being to bring up if I can find it on uh, 572 uh, and you, yet you seek memories the wizard cried at last delivered to tears to be being is not a choice but you claim being is deception yes but it is nonsense madness and again the non-man king laughed that is becoming I got lost. Yeah. Um, I I tap the few. There's a there's a quote right before that where he, where he talks about I think um, like basically like consciousness or or about soul and whether like whether we have a soul or if it's just a mirage of like a multitude of things. Uh, only when a memory is stripped away the. The cleric cried out, the glow fading from his eyes. Only then is being revealed as pure becoming. Only when the past dies can we shrug aside the burden that is our soul. Is that the one you're thinking about? Yeah, it's yeah, somewhere around there. Um, well, I guess he's, he's talking about like how it's so much of who you are is like what you remember mm -hmm. so who are you if you lose your memory like if if you don't have your memory you're just living in the moment but well, is that really living well early in the book too at 464 uh sorwil serva and moingas are talking and uh Sorwil's father says that we have an extra soul one that lives and another that watches us living. We are prone to be at war with ourselves, the ambassador. And ambassador, can't pronounce it. So we have an extra soul, according to Kellis. Or that's a way to describe it, because there's no such thing as a soul to, to Kellis. <laughs> there's this quote, too, that's from Agensis. Gods are ep epochal beings, not quite alive. Since the now eludes them, they are forever divided. Sometimes nothing blinds souls more profoundly than the apprehension of the whole. Men need to recall this when they pray. 
Hmm. So it's kind of the opposite of what clerics is describing. Because he's talking about like being right in the moment, like not seeing anything that comes before or uh, that came before or will come after. Yeah, whereas the gods like see it all at once, maybe. So to them, it's different. They see it all at once, maybe. Very Lovecraftian. Good and bad might be different. I'm, I may have to read some Lovecraft. <laughs> you make it sound very uh, intriguing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. He was one of a kind, for sure. Yeah. The great ones. Um, there's a part where uh, Sorwill and Surway are traveling and... Sarway says she doesn't fear the ghouls because they are the children of fate. So, who knows what that means? <laughs> I'll, for, I'll for sure, Sorwill Sor is a child of fate, right? Because he's being guided by the gods. And I guess if Kellis is a god and he's guiding his kids, then they are children of fate too, maybe. Or maybe they're children of fate somehow else. But from what you're saying, Katarina, so is a Camian, right? Everything just works out for him. He finds the map in the middle of a giant horde. And I think Esmnet found a magic, like, outer garment or something that can stop weapons and I, what did she call the first weapon oh squirrel or no it's I thought squirrel's the second one the one she skinned squirrel's the deer with the... no squirrel's the sword she brought with herself like the sword she had originally hmm. um, oh. I think she, it was in something like a chipmunk it was something squirrel related. Yeah, <laughs> it it was <laughs> something squirrel related. <laughs> yeah, some they, some like a squirrel, but not not exactly a squirrel. They like carve the squirrel. they carve the hide and they just wear it without like treating it, and so it just rots as they like travel. It's crazy. It's I mean, that's easy. what I would do. Also, I mean, I also never. If you'd live, if you'd lived in a palace for ten years, you you wouldn't know. Well, I mean, and then you, the previous ten you'd spend in a brothel, you wouldn't know how to treat a hide. I, I mean, I probably expect better of a commune, but he had slaves, so no wonder he never learned how to treat hides. You need some certain things to do it. They're out on the trail. All they have is dead shrink around snow, I guess now, avalanches, glaciers. Yeah, Kami is, he's kind of, um, I don't know. He's, I know these, we've talked about these chapters being a little tough with him and Mimira, but I'm, I think, I feel like his, his journey has to end soon, right? Like he has to be nearing the end, right? I mean, he seems like he's, He's run his course. I don't know. I, I, I expect him to 
to not be around too much longer. I've, I have no idea. Um, I don't, I've, I don't know. It's, it's been sad to see him decline so much. He seemed, he was much, he was such a, like, sensitive and thoughtful person. And so, like, it just felt like there's so much, there was so much more to him when he was younger, when he was with Esmanet. Now he's just reduced to, like, he's just reduced to this obsession over Kellis and it's kind of pathetic in some way. Like it's, it's, it's not like where he's not even, I don't think he's even doing it for like some greater reasons. It's just, I guess he, he just wants, I don't need, uh, what does he, what does he even want? Like the, what does he want the truth? But like, what does he want to do with the truth? Like, is it like, is he doing all this just to prove that he was right? Like, like, is that it? I mean, if if that's the thing, like, it's it's incredibly selfish, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it appears like that's just what he wants, right? The truth. He just wants to know the truth about the Dunyan. Does he though, or is, does he just want? Or is it all about Espinet and what what him is losing his wife? I mean, like I get it. Like he was hurt by a lot of people, but I don't know. Like there are different ways to uh, process that and becoming self-absorbed hermit is just one of them and sacrificing a whole group of skin eaters too i mean he knew what was going to happen he sacrificed all of them put everyone right. in i mean arguably not the nicest people around but yes um i agree with you oh you you talked about cleric him him dying was sad so that was a commune's fault mm -hmm. I mean, that would probably classify. I think that could would pass as a self defense. But yeah, I mean, he was the one who killed him. But Camion was only putting up defensive wards, and Cleric was only putting up defensive cants, right? Until he concussed him off the out of the air. Yeah, it was manslaughter basically, or a, a non manslaughter. <laughs> what, would, what would Asimnet think about Akamian and Mimara? I don't think she'll be very happy. Think Akamian will finally get payback once with her anger, or will she not care? I think she might be the reason he dies, or that seems fitting. Well, how much more can Espinette take before she, you know, takes drastic action? How much more can I, she take? 
I, I, I feel like there has to be some sort of um, clash or like she, she will have, she ha she will have to find out about, about Kelmomas sooner or later. Uh, the fact that he's been feeding on uh, Shrile Knights in the in the catacombs in um, in the Edomanian Heights. And and I I'm I'm not I I give up. I'm not even try, <laughs> gonna try to pronounce it. Um, like I don't know. Just imagine how she's going to feel when she finds out that her sweet little angel boy is a um, human flesh eating, psycho killing, murdering psychopath. Who's been manipulating her the whole time? Will she care? Or will she forgive him? Well, I'm, I don't have children, but I think people have limits. <laughs> <laughs> she had one of them tied in a room. Well, that was for his own sake. Yeah, I guess. That's what she tells herself. She had the wrong one locked up. Or she should probably should have all of them locked up. I guess we find, I hope we find out before they, everybody dies like Steve thinks. I, I have to, th I, I keep thinking of how this series is going to end and I, I just think it's going to be something like, it's going to go meta somehow or something. It's, I don't know. It's got to be some bonkers ending that none of us, well, like, just could never predict. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to keep my expectations very low, so that I'm not disappointed. <laughs> but I mean, Baker, apart beside like, apart from this book, which I'm not. This, this is probably one of my. This is one of the le like most underwhelming endings to a baker book i would say uh but usually he tends to like his t endings are generally pretty uh pretty good mm -hmm. we had cleric die and we had a blind dragon flying off that came in yes. found his map and got to ishwal i don't know it's just so uh, it's like maybe i'm the problem um, it's just the way it's written. It's like, oh yeah, like there's a dragon, and we fight <laughs> it, and oh now we fight each other, and oh he well cleric's dead. Well that's bad, and oh now the string are following us, and oh Ishwal, but it's it's ruined, <laughs> and eh. <laughs> I don't know. It's... I I get it. Like, I don't I don't I don't want to ruin this for anyone. Like if you like if you like enjoy the ending, like I'm so happy for you. And I don't I don't dislike it per se. It's just I there are other endings in other books that Baker's written that I find more thrilling. Mm. Yeah, the big reveal here is kind of that now they don't get to eat animals anymore. Now now they're eating the enemy. Whatever that means. That was the big reveal for the army, right? 
whereas the big reveal for the skin eaters is that Ishwal has already been ransacked, it seems like. A big letdown. So I can see why the book <laughs> wouldn't be that exciting. If there was a bunch of Dunyane on the walls, I think it might have been more exciting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Sorwil also is kind of let down by uh, by Servo when he realizes that um, he's been completely delusional in thinking that she was in any way interested in him. And I'm sure Mamara is let down by a lot of things too. Every, well. every, everybody's just let down. Yeah. Except for the Dunyans, Kellis, all his kids, they don't seem to be let down. They're just always moving forward, leaving the letdowns in their dust. Focused. Right. I mean, yeah, like Sirwa tells Sorwil that if anyone finds out about her and Moengas, Sorwil is the one who's going to die because he was the one who, who saw them together. Um, speaking of Sirwa, I had a question. So we know she's like, she's, she's the oh, headmistress of the, um, what was Swoyal Pact something? I the don't, nuns. The nuns. She, she's the head nun. Um, and we, but like they're, but we also know that they're using basically they're using the gnosis. They've they have access to the gnosis, and she has touched Seswatha's heart, and that's why she dreams a dream. Seswatha's dreams. So I'm wondering because, like, did Callus ever touch the heart? Like, does he have does he have access to the dreams? Because I don't think that's ever been made clear. It hasn't, and it would seem like he did. He learned the mandate, so. Well, I mean, that's the question. Like, would you want to? Like, was there? Would there? Would there be a benefit to him dreaming as well as life, or or would he want to have? someone else's life take over his dreaming and how crazy that might make the Dunyan go if he has human feelings for his sleep and then Dunyan feelings for his awake <laughs> all things to consider I think it would be beneficial to have just for the quote that history repeats itself right and to know that which comes after you have to know that which comes before so anything he can get from before is gold to a dunyane but he walks on the outside so who knows or he has walked on the outside whatever that is right or so whatever he is. claims yeah yeah Things are going to get more, <laughs> more spectacular. Hmm. More will be revealed, though. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the revelations. 
Um, not the. I mean, the action's good. I just it's not generally something I I need in a book or anywhere. Yeah, I'm not a big action guy either, but I think um, he his action is pretty fast. Like he doesn't spend a lot of time on it. There's some authors that take pages and pages for a little battle, and I find myself skimming through it. But thankfully, he's he's pretty pretty quick. They're over pretty fast, so I can appreciate that about it. Yeah, I mean he t he tends to focus more on battle tactics, and it's it's it, there's very little like face-to-face -face fighting it's usually like he tells you like he, he gives you information about like the different like troops and where they're where they're positioned and how they trick one another into uh, yielding yielding ground and that sort of stuff and which person swirled down into death <laughs> yeah i don't know how many times he uses that in this series I really bet it's like less than 20 or 30 maybe in the entire series, but the uses make it stand out more probably. I'm going to guess that, that he uses other stuff more. Hmm. <laughs> totem-like things, other totem-like shape things more. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I think... He, I think the death swirling down was a lot more prevalent in the first trilogy. Like I've only seen it a couple of times in in these two books. Um, but there, I think there were also a lot more people dying in the Prince of Nothing, or at least we were we were there to witness it. Bigger battles in the first series too. Yeah, I feel like for sure more people died in these books. At least, like, secondary characters. All of the skin eaters, which you kind of get to meet a little bit, are all now dead. All of the slaves we kind of met are dead. I assume Escalese. Probably all the Mandate are dead, which is at least the school we knew. There's probably a couple left. Yeah, I think. I think a couple of them survived and returned. I think the 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 main uh, Mandati sorcerer. I think I think he made it, um, but uh, they weren't too happy to see him. Since they blamed <laughs> they blamed the the result of the battle on him. But it's still better than the fate of the the king of the army. They were so close to winning that battle, it seemed like. Finally, they come over the hill out of the dust, and they're just wrecking all the bash rags, and then one little mistake, and they just all laid each other to dust. Yeah, which makes me even more curious if that was just a miscalculation on Callus's part, or if it was really the intention to have this army annihilated. It reminds me of Kellis's Saban prophecy, where he just wanted one thing to happen and he didn't really care about the rest as long as he got the right people punished and then his prophecy turned out to be true. 
other uh, any any other notes you guys have or predictions? Any any bold predictions, Katarina, that you want to throw out there? Anything you were thinking on reading this one that you're like, I think this is going to happen. Well, let me see. Um, I don't think I have any predictions. Well, there we we learn a little bit more about Moangas. Uh, Wangas Jr. And it, it seems like uh, the uh, insanity might run in the family. Yeah. Though I also wonder if just being brought up in an environment where, where all, your, all your siblings are so much more intelligent and capable than you are, if that also has some effect on your sanity it would have to it probably wasn't good for him i think he'd be crazy anyway but probably didn't help <laughs> being in that fam being in that family raising that household probably the worst worst place for him to be Boy, everywhere he goes people like drop down to their feet too so he probably had no friends except for his family yeah, and also everyone knows that Kellis is not really his father, and Esmond is not actually his mother. Um, yeah, I just I just wonder, like, is he the way he's portrayed or the way he's been portrayed so far? It there is the great resemblance, like not just physical resemblance, but also the 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 matter, the way he behaves. It, it, there is a great resemblance to New York. But I always assumed that Neor, the way he behaved was mostly because of the history he had with Moenga Sr. and the way his uh, people treated him after that. So I was kind of surprised to see him, to see that he was so off. Like, I just assumed that he would be like a more normal kid. Serway calls him cra crazy, and he calls Serway crazy. <laughs> but they're the two they the two kids that seem to get along the best. Maybe <laughs> yeah, they seem to get along pretty pretty well. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. there's a um... so when right before Serway wakes up, wakes wakes up and goes go, goes away to find Sirwa and Moengus because they're missing. He has a dream about a stork, um, which is the, the holy animal uh, or the holy bird of Sakarpas. And um, there were a couple of times where we saw a stork when also Yatwar was present i think when they when they dug up the quarry i think there was a stork um when right before callus attacks carpus there's also a stork on the on the walls that they see so i, I wonder if if there if yacht where had something to do with sorwil finding sirwa and moengas enjoying each other's company
enjoying each other's company. You don't, you don't have to reply. It's just it's just an observation I am making. <laughs> but it seems suspicious that he dreams about a stork and then hmm. things yeah. are revealed. I didn't catch that. Maybe we'll see. I don't think there's going to be a stork in Istrabin, though. I don't think they hang out below m mountains. <laughs> Maybe they uh, breed them like chicken or something. <laughs> or eat them. What if it's just the synthes with bleached hair? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Yeah, they eat string. Okay, we talked about that. I don't think... Do, do you guys have anything else that you wanted to talk about while I'm scrolling through my notes? I think that was about it. Um... Yeah, I think that's about all I had. We're to a, a point in the great ordeal where they're going to be surrounded by shrink the whole time now, probably. That's what it. That's what it seems like. Yeah, I wish I wish we could skip that part and just reach Golgotharath and have a conversation between Kellis and Orang and Orax. That would be nice. <laughs> is Daniel frozen or is that just his facial expression? I'm here. What is this expression? Did I say something uh, outrageous? Uh-uh. There's halfway to go Godoroth now, right? I think maybe I, they've trapped maybe a little bit more than halfway they've traveled. I have no idea. Like the distances, I well, I mean, I'm even in the real world, I'm terrible with maps and distances, but here, I have no idea where they are right now. From where Sorwill's place was to where they are now, which is I forgot what the town was called, but. It's like right along the river. Was it's it about... Ersule? Ers something? R? No, I don't know. It's uh. Yeah, Urshi. Oh, okay. Ursalon. Yeah. Okay. And so that's where the ordeal marches, but Sorwheel and Akamian are down by Sogla Soglish is where I it kind of like talked like Sorwheel was describing a topoi, but didn't know how to describe it. He said something, knowing he stood before an arena of lost glory of phantoms. And then right next to that is Trice, 
Where mm. Sawglass is where Akamian was, the library of Sawglass, and Trice is where uh, they were. So that on the map, it's real close. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it was a topoi, a, a topos. Um, they, uh, well, they did talk about it being the place from which the or where the first great ordeal was um, declared. Yeah, like the first great home of men. I assume if everyone's dead, then a lot of people died there. Yeah, the, well, that was the part, confusing part, because they didn't say that anything bad happened there. And they just talked about the ordeal. But, oh yeah, I have one more thing. Um, a common has a dream. He is in the sarcophagus, dreaming again that he is now Coyote, and he's suffocating. So I, I assume that he got into the sarcophagus because in the previous dream, his wife poisoned him, and everyone just assumed he was dead, but actually he wasn't. Um, but he's in the sarcophagus, and then Orang shows up and frees him. I think that's how I understood it. And uh, disarms him and tells him that no one escapes Golgotharath. So I wonder, I guess I'm wondering about the the timeline. Like, did, is, did this happen before or after they went to Golgotharath? with Siswatha. Hmm. Um, or is this, yeah, during? Does Siswatha make it out and his best friend doesn't? His good buddy? I don't know. Like, I wasn't even sure if it was, like, if him being in the sarcophagus and then Arang showing up, like, if the two, if that was, like, the same scene or if, like, they were just two scenes kind of combined together. Um... But yeah, like it's like I don't know, like maybe there's now Coyote just in Golgotharath, and they somehow preserved him <laughs> for two thousand years. Akamian has had other dreams than Seswatha, but not like directly in the body of someone else he knew. He was always just kind of a slave being pulled forward. Or out like outer body kind of dream, but this time he is another person, hmm. and he seemed to realize it really fast when he snapped into the dream. So, what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question. And, yeah, and like, like, how, like, is he? You know, I mean, it's the same question I keep asking over and over again, but like, is he dreaming? Like, is he actually dreaming what happened? Or is someone, did someone else create these dreams and, and is sending him these dreams? Um, and he just can't tell that they're being manufactured or is, I don't know. <laughs> or, or, or like, how can he dream? Siswatha dreams. We like we we know why he has access to those, but 
how can he dream about Naokiri as well? And was like was it something that Siswatha planted into his dreams, or is it just random? I don't. It's it's so many questions I have about this, and are, I I like this one. I assume we will have an answer to, um, and I'm very curious to find out. <laughs> his, I have no his, idea. Yeah. His dreams are strange. Yeah, pretty. I mean, like dreaming that I'm in a inside of a sarcophagus that I cannot open. Like, that's one hell of a nightmare. Yeah. So if there's a hundred gods, right? And yet we're displaying a who kn who knows how many humans, but at least two, right? What of the other gods? Could one of them be playing with a Kamian? One of them be playing with Memara? Is that yet or two? Or are most of the gods just idle gods? Where other ones are playing the game? I mean... Just, but in a sense, a Kamian stumbles just like Sorwil, like into the right spots. Oh well, yeah, here's this map. It's not even been looked at yet. But the seal has been broken. This is true. Yeah. That dragon probably was bored and wanted to read, but he didn't have eyes, so I don't know how he's <laughs> going to do that. Well, who, 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 who do you think broke the seal, Steve? Oh, or, and do you think that anyone's read the map? Besides a commune. Someone's read it, right? I think somebody's read it. Or they found Ishul without reading it because something happened to Ishul. Or the Dunyan did it. Or I don't yeah. know, sometimes just walls collapse. Maybe it was just old age. This tower finally just collapsed after a couple thousand years. Yeah, I, I think the Dunyan did it. But we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I was thinking maybe um, because we know that um, I don't remember. Was it Garnelka or the? We know there was another king after Kalmomas who sought refuge in Ishwal. So maybe they broke the seal when they were looking for the for the for the for Ishwal. But kept, like just left the map there for hmm. other. I I don't know. It's probably a pretty uh, poor theory. Um, and did the did the Dunyane leave it there on, on purpose, knowing that it would be found? Or yeah, or did just did someone plant it there? <laughs> this damn Dunyane. You know, like was the dream even like was the map even real? Was the dreams where they talked about the map, was that real? If it wasn't, then the map maybe never existed. And then someone had to make the map after the fact and just put it in, Ishwal, uh, put it in, the, in the coffers for a comment to find it. If, if we remember the very first prologue, right? The... 
and a syringe, like I'll catch the plague. Everyone in Ishwal caught the plague except for two people, and that was the bard that was like trying to catch the little Ennis Rimber kid and then Ennis Rimber kid killed him and then a bunch of people called themselves the Dunyane showed up to hide from the end of the world hmm. but that was after the plague had already taken out like all of the refugees that left right does that make sense yeah so maybe the whoever these Dunyan are, they found the map. Because hmm. who knows how they showed up to hide from the end of the world. Yeah, that's also a pretty uh, big coincidence. Hmm. I have no idea what's going to happen next. I really don't. <laughs> or what's going we, on. We get to start out initial though, right? That sounds exciting. I mean, not if it's just ruins and snow. Yeah, chapter five. I think I think Akamian's kind of an archaeologist. He can figure out what happened there in the midst of the ruins. Right. I I hope they discover the room with the with the people with their who have their faces um, cut open. That would be a nice surprise that the Dunyan might have left for them. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll learn a little bit about the Dunyan and what what they believed, what they needed to operate. Or maybe their stall disappeared. Maybe it's full shrink. Maybe, maybe on the this outside. Maybe the consult's hiding in there. I can say yeah. a lot of maybes right now. Maybe Sabon is in there. Just like oh. hanging out. Well, that would be disappointing. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it might be a trap. I haven't even considered that. The Great Ordeal lost, what, probably a quarter of its people? Maybe significantly more than that, I guess, when they killed their slaves. They've lost probably a quarter of soldiers that they started with and a couple hundred thousand slaves that they just killed. Yeah, they could have eaten the slaves. Just saying. <laughs> Would you rather eat a shrink or a human? Um, that's not easy to answer. I, I think I'd go with shrink. I don't know. I the shrinks seem pretty disgusting and filthy. It's exotic. <laughs> then when you read about Serway and Moingus, your mind screams like incest, but they're technically not related, right? There is none, but your brain tells you that it's just a wrong thing. Why why is that? It's the darkness that comes before. <laughs> Yeah. But you're right. It does not feel right to for the, the two of them together. Sorwell um, definitely does not think so. 
Yeah, but I wonder if it's so if it's that much because they're brother and sister, or if he's just really upset that um, he was smitten. She, or she's just not interested in him at all. Yeah, I think he's just upset that she wasn't interested. They knew he was watching, though, right? Way before he knew that they knew he was watching. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, yeah, that's a low point for Sorwill. I will admit that. <laughs> yeah. That, Poor kid. That's good. I don't know. One of the only kids in the whole series that at least doesn't have special powers. And everyone's expecting so much out of him. He's got to be a better king than Harwill. Has to make all the right decisions. He's just a scared little horse king. Yeah, he's pretty much set to fail. Well, he has some help, so maybe he won't. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty curious about what's going to happen to Sorul because I have no idea where he's going. But I don't... Well, I don't know. I guess I, see, I can see it both ways. Like, I can see him just becoming... Like, turning things around and kind of coming into his own and finding some... I mean, you know, not even courage, but like some certainty in like who he is and what he should be doing. Um, but I can also see going the exact opposite way in him just failing on every level. And I don't know, becoming like a consult ambassador at the end. Because Baker is willing to go these really dark places, you never know what's going to happen. Like, it's hard to predict because he just, you never know what he's going to do next. That's what makes it fun. Have these two books been darker than the first series? Is that. Mm, no, I don't think so. Mm, maybe. They feel more, I don't know, like the, the Prince of Nothing, the tragedy is more in just people killing other people for stupid reasons. Um, this, like the Aspect Emperor, I feel like has more of the, uh, there's more of like the fantastical and there's like, it's more like the, like the, the horror that's coming from well, the the outside, but by all the time, you know, like you have the Inkroy and you have the Strang, then you have these, like you have Kiri. So it's everyone's like weird, like mental space. It it feels more, I don't know. Everyone just feels more, like more psychotic, um, which is like it's different. It's a different kind of darkness. Hmm. I think other than the judging eye, the last. I don't know, 10, 15%. I think it hasn't been as dark. Might, well, maybe it's just because we weren't used to the world and we were getting used to it in the first series and kind of, you have to go through that that initial Dark surprise. shock. Yeah, dark shock. Like so when Asinette almost gets stoned in the first series. And it was yeah, like a big, a big deal. Mm -hmm. 
It's like it's it's like the Prince of Nothing has more more of a like realistic feel to it. So also the darkness, it's more it has to do more with like good human, evil. Like, Sauron's eyeball, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more just the humans doing awful stuff to each other. But in the second series, it's it's just everything feels like more surreal. It's like that the vibe is is different, and the and the like all the horrible things that happen are or are sort of they don't feel quite real but there are like i like the ending of the judging eye uh, for me like that's pure horror yeah um and even like the the um akami and Maimara traveling on kiri for this but it, it there is something very like ominous about that as well mm. i was just curious whether this is darker i would say definitely these two books are darker than the first series but maybe not from like a emotional tragedy perspective but they're like sticking their fingers in dead ashes and putting them in each other's mouths and everyone around them is just like dying in the most terrible ways the guy cries and the captain just comes over and just sticks his knife in his throat no weepers on the slog if that would have been a rule in the, in the, what it, what was it the, holy the first holy war, then it would have been a drastically different holy war if the rules would have been the same. But the rules just keep getting worse and worse. And same with for the great ordeal, the rules just seem to be getting worse and worse. Yeah. Maybe that guy that got lashed two or three times isn't going to get lashed next time. Maybe something worse is coming for him. I don't remember what his name was. Hmm. No, yeah, it's, it's right that, I mean, they were, like, the people in the first Holy War, they, they went to some extreme places and they did some pretty extreme things. But this series, it feels like, everyone's constantly at like another level of just extreme like just like the mental state that everyone in is in it just feels much more like intense and much more out there um which i guess, I guess like it, i mean definitely feels reading these two books does feel different than reading the first trilogy Well, we'll see if Baker can end with you guys thinking these were darker. I still strongly suspect that that will be the case, but I don't know. I hear oh, some dark things are coming. It is about like tolerance though, right? You build up a good tolerance to some bad things happening. Then everyone's like eating shrink and nobody cares. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing what's going to happen next for sure. Um, anyone, you guys have anything else in your on your notes? No, I think I think I'm okay. We we covered most of it. Yeah. Rest uh, in some... peace, Captain right. and Mathenet and Prosperian and all 
Obatagua Hall the Slaves. No, I mean, yeah, we uh, should have a, a in memoriam section. <laughs> we'd be, it'd be like an hour long. Yeah. All, all of the, the stone hags, all of the skin eaters, except for Sorrel. Right. Um, Did so you guys think he was going to be the lone survivor? Out of all of them, he broke the fastest. <laughs> he got the weeper cut, even. Now he's the last one alive, talking to Pokewis and talking to Galleon like they're still around. Severed heads. Well, it worked for him, so he must be doing something right. I guess. <laughs> Uh, just want to mention to everyone who's uh, watching and listening that we will be taking about a month off, um, give or yeah, take. Three weeks. Three weeks. So we will be back recording episodes on the 3rd of March, but you won't see them until the 10th of March. So uh, but we're coming back uh, for the last two books, uh, so, but you won't see or hear from us for a little while. We'll be taking a little break. So, uh, so just a heads up. So if you're reading reading along with us, then... Take a break and read read something else for about a month. And then uh, yeah, come back get, gather some strengths for the the last two books. I think I I have a I have a hint, hunch that we might need them. Yeah, I think so. So cool. Yeah, that's all the that's all that I had on these ones. Um, uh, Meet the net. <laughs> Well, rest in peace, Cleric. So who would you have rather lived, Katarina? Cleric or Mathanet? Oh. Well, for pers like just personal interests yeah. or curiosity, um, probably probably Neil Geekas or Cleric is more fascinating of a character to me. But for practical reasons, I think Esmond, Esmoned would be better off if Mathanet was still alive. Like I think her her chances of defeating Fenile would probably rise significantly if he was there with her, advising her. You don't want to know what he was going to say about his tell my brother or Kalomus isn't who you think he is. You wouldn't want to know what that was all about. Well, we we know that Kalomus isn't who Esmoned thinks he is. Um, the yeah the the tell my brother i i don't know why what what would he want callus to know that he doesn't already know yeah he's, he's sorry <laughs> i i say enrolatus i want i wanted more enrolatus yeah, yeah, that was a pretty cool character as well. He was the most interesting character in the book. He could have just walked around killing people for a couple hundred pages, just indiscriminately, and I would have read. Making people kill themselves, I guess. Whatever he does. <laughs> Being a god. Of, lots of great characters, but yeah, Mathanet, I think he... Oh, that sucked. I'm... I'm so bummed about Mathanet. I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe we'll get, maybe Saban will get his, what's coming to him, and then we'll get to throw a little party and celebrate Saban's demise eventually before the books are over. We'll see. Um, I'm kind of worried about who's going to make it and who isn't. 
when I first read the series, I never thought Nathanette was making it out of the room with the little kids, and he mm. did. So he was a survivor. He yeah, Kilmomas, I'm pretty excited to see dead. The little monster. He is a little monster, definitely. Um, do you think... Okay, so Katarina, name your top five characters that you'll you think will survive. Name five characters that will make it. Oh, that will make it. I think Kellis, maybe in some form. I don't think Esmond is going to make it. Akamian. Yep, yeah, I think I guess Akamian. Um, I don't see many. I don't see, <laughs> I don't see many people making it out a lot. I think Proyas probably. Hmm. I, I, okay, the way I'm thinking about it is like who's going to regret surviving the most, and I think Kellas and Akamian are the two who are going to be the most regretful about the things they've done. Um, so those two are my. Uh, Yes, maybe as Manette, if something bad happens to Kelmovis. None of the kids? Not Wu Tiat the Dragon or RX Narang or the Synthes? Uh, yeah, the I don't. No -God? What if the No God lives? Is he even alive? Not yet, but he's supposed to live again. That's what the second apocalypse is. Oh, don't you need a soul to be alive? Do you? I just so assume. That is a, I mean, are the skin is, spies alive? That's a great question. Do you need a soul to be alive? Well, I guess it depends on how you define what being alive is. Or what a soul is. Or what a soul is, yeah. The cap the captains bounce back from hell though. Allegedly. Whatever, whatever constituted for his soul. I don't Allegedly. Who knows if it bounced back a second time. But they don't think the captain will ever die. Sarl doesn't. Hmm. I I don't think Sarl Sarl is the most reliable source. Um but if he does bounce back. I would very much like to talk to him <laughs> and find out <laughs> how he does it. Or is he too, is he too is he too evil to for even hell to keep him? Is mm. is that it? I don't know. Who do you think lives, Steve? None of them. <laughs> Not even the Synthes. Not he can fly. I don't think I don't think anyone's gonna live. I think it's something, something crazy is going to happen. Like it's like time's gonna get reset or uh, something weird and meta is gonna happen that everyone's going to die or at least cease to exist. The the meek shrink inherit the earth. They're gonna be dead too. Something something <laughs> is going to happen. Something oh. crazy is going to happen that no one's gonna survive. Let's let's talk about species then. Do rabbits live? Do snakes? <laughs> Are we down to cockroaches? Fleas, no, fleas no seem to live in this world no, through anything. No, <laughs> no living things will survive. 
Maybe Kellis in some form, but not in the form he's in now. Will the gods survive? Are they living? The gods will. The, the gods will survive. But if okay, um, if they're all dead, doesn't the outside close? Because I think they need. They need to reduce the population to 144,000 people in order to close the outside. But I guess that's like an upper bound. So if you reduce it to zero, it's still Boutiat said it didn't work. The, they went to world after world reducing the population and it just wouldn't work. But this was the place. So, Okay. Let me, let me rephrase that. I think some people may survive, but they won't be here on this planet when it's all over. They'll go on somewhere else. They they fly off in the Ark? In the Ark, they'll go somewhere, or the another Ark will appear, and they'll take a certain amount of people with them, and this world will cease to exist. The Ark's husband shows up, the realizes Ark's, uh, that his wife has been stuck in a hole for a long time. Something, something wild is going to happen. They they talk about the arc like it may be living, right? I I don't think it will be a happy ending, at all. So now I'm just imagining Michaelis um, marching on Golgotharath in order to capture the arc and fly fly away with it. Maybe. Have the would coolest it, would toy. Would it surprise you though? Would it surprise you if that happened? Uh, not. I guess not. I mean, I, if you're if you're Dunane, probably the the planet's too small for you anyway. So you, maybe you might want to explore the um, whatever's out there. I have listened to everything you both said, and I can only assure you that you'll both be surprised. Oh, <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. And when we talk about grim, dark, and dark, I think some of the most dark stuff on paper is upcoming this book's dark but <laughs> our scott baker will try to one-up himself he gave you the little the little what was it the little boy the little guy the little brother yeah that didn't come until just like a couple chapters ago three books of other explanation and then he finally gave you the little brother <laughs> so maybe he can outdo himself you said that was the worst one you've heard yet wasn't it yeah it was the cringiest one for sure hmm. for, for some reason when i said sauron's eye earlier it made me think of just this shape of this it's all the same shape now <laughs> it's very <laughs> phallic. There's a lot of there's a lot of yeah, a lot of totems in this uh, series. And mud and water. I think of mud and water differently now too. <laughs> a lot of things differently now after this series. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird, uh being off for a month, but it'll be it'll be fun to get back and have a little break and recharge the batteries a little bit and start with the next the last two books so uh, daniel if someone wants to contact you or not contact you where's the best place to not find you 
just come yell at Steve at, at one of his lives. I'll be in there. We can talk books with him and all of his book friends. Yeah. Who's always that? And Katarina? Uh, finding me is pretty much hopeless these days, but I... I do, I do, if you tag me on the page chewing forum, I, I do tend to read those messages. Um, and I, I do read the comments under the, the YouTube videos as well. Nice. Yeah, so you'll see us again on the 10th of March, but we'll be recording the week prior to that. So we'll be back and hope all of you who've been reading along will continue with us as we uh, take a little breather. So. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for, for watching or for listening, and we'll see you in a few weeks. And rest in peace, Akka's hair. Rest in <laughs> peace, Mathanet. <laughs> Proud some liquor from Mathanet.